Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there. And a special big shout out to my listeners from Greece, Norway, Ireland, Germany, Nigeria, Finland, Japan, Uganda, Netherlands, Spain, the Philippines, France, China, Australia, the United Kingdom, Russia, and we have new guests and listeners, Morocco, Argentina, Croatia, and Sweden. And I just want to thank all of my listening audiences for your support and for tuning into the Transformation for Success show each week. I'm live on the Empowerment Channel Tuesdays at noon and on the Women's Channel on Fridays at noon. Both shows are available for downloading shortly after the last show on my website and on iTunes, Transformation for Success. So I want you to share with your friends and colleagues. You know, this show is for the young, the bold, the restless, and those who are seeking change in their lives and want answers and strategies. So each week, I am so pleased to share the transformational journeys of men and women who have had setbacks, tragedies upsets, and all kinds of trauma in their lives, but who have, against all odds, become successful individuals in the pursuit of their dreams. Today, I have on my show one such individual, Mr. Michael Oden, a former probation officer who's currently a behavioral specialist. So his extensive education and life experiences led him to write an inspirational and award-winning book, Nobody's Home. So today he's here in the studio with me to share the lessons he learned on healing and shifting childhood trauma into a successful adulthood. And the bonuses he's going to share from his book, Nobody's Home. This show is how I broke the devastating cycle of dependency. So you want to stay tuned. Text your friends. Alert them to tune into the show today or they can download it later tonight because I'm more than certain they're going to be encouraged and motivated to take action steps to shift their lives once they hear Michael. So if you're listening live, you have questions of Michael, you're welcome to call in the show. Don't be shy. <laughs> the call-in number is one 346 9151 and he will be delighted to take your questions. So hello, Michael. How are you? Good afternoon. Doing quite well here in the heat in California. <laughs> well, I think there's heat uh, in many places. And so, so we're surviving <laughs> and thriving. And I really want to welcome you to the Transformation for Success show. I'm so delighted to have you with me today. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about. You know, uh, Michael, as a behavioral specialist, you had a 20-year experience in both training law enforcement and specific mm -hmm law enforcement techniques, and you've been counseling adults to educate and inspire those with unwanted behavior due to childhood trauma. So, Michael, tell me how this all began for you. Well, it all began when I was, uh, when I was, pro when I was supervising uh, clients as a probation officer in Long Beach, and they were under the uh, uh -huh. uh, drug and alcohol. And I noticed uh -huh. that there was constant relapsing. And I said, there's got to be more to this than that. 
So I, mm-hmm. so I was studying behavioral techniques along the way, and I said, you know what it is? Their needs aren't being met. There are certain needs. So what happened was I got a list from a, uh, I got a list of needs, and I just got, and, and I, when I started out, I said, what needs were not met by a certain individual, which was really a, a parent? And the needs of bonding, connection, um, mm-hmm. empathy, let's say nurturing, just to name a few, was a lot more the needs that weren't met as a child. And what happened was that when they weren't met, the child looked for those needs elsewhere, tragically through drug use or joining a gang. Okay? And so I said, okay, so mm-hmm. the drug problem wasn't because of the drug. The drug problem was because of what happened at home. So what happened oh, at home? Oh, my goodness. The mm-hmm. drug use. Okay? So, so that's what I know. Yeah. I said, okay, so when, we're, when we have trauma at home, no one teaches us how to deal with it, so we use artificial means like drug and alcohol to cover up the pain for a little bit until it wears off, and then we use it over and over and over, hence the term addiction mm-hmm. or dependency. And I don't well, like using those know, terms. I like to use mm-hmm. these terms, meeting a need excessively for a long period of time, which is probably the need for emotional safety. Well, you know, you were, you, tell me about what, how this, you came from a chaotic home, I know. What was happening? Because a lot of this um, you were dealing with and you were surrounded with children who were placed by the courts in uh, a group home. So what happened yeah. uh, in your early so, childhood, so I, in your childhood? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so here's, here's <laughs> my journey is this. We moved from L.A. to Minnesota in 1967. I'm like five years uh-huh. old. So, and then we moved into the country. So here, here's some trauma right here. We were the first black family ever in the county. So right there, wow. all the red flags go up in the community. Uh-huh. Okay? So now yes. we live on this 11-acre land of, plot of land and a pseudo-farm, and after a few years, my mother starts bringing in kids from the city, group home kids. And one after mm-hmm. the other, all of a sudden they start coming on. Next thing you know, there are eight kids on our and living with us. Now, mind you, I come from wow. a family of 11. Oh, no. On top of that. So there is nine so additional the first children off the, plus, plus the 11 yeah. of you? Yes. So, but three went off the college, so there are eight boys left, and there are eight of them. And here's, and here's my journey. I'm a twin. So now I'm buried oh, between eight of my siblings, a twin, and a brother who's Down syndrome, who has Down oh, syndrome. Oh, no, Michael. Okay. What so, interesting background. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm buried, and I remember, so I didn't, because of my twin, I never spoke for the first 14 years of my life. He did all the talking for what? me. What? Yeah. I didn't have That's to, because we were always together, so, you know. And, and we were a tight-knit group of boys. Right? And then these kids my mother brings in who come from broken homes, which I've never seen before, but I was inquisitive as a kid. I said, Mommy, what, why is this one here? Or what happened to that one? So I was, you know, I was just like, well, why are these people here and what's their problem? And I was probably the only child that may have asked that question to my mother. So I probably get this helping gene from my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then we have, of course, we have my father, who is, I'll call him a psychotic genius, who wasn't, who was, who didn't like women because his mother abandoned him when he was 12 and took the two, his two sisters, and so therefore women and my mother paid for that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, we, so I saw that growing up. So when we were old enough, we kind of got, we, we 
kind of kicked them out. Okay. Okay. So so there's okay. so there's some of there's some of my trauma in that area. Okay. Well, it's a so, so me, and I think you so it's me, said a surprise to my you mother exactly and where you are today. Kids. So how did you get to where you are today? Well, you know, we go off to college, graduate, settle in the Northeast, and for four years, and then I'm thinking, what I want to do with my life? I come out to Arizona, study theater for five years. I want to be an actor, so I moved to to, to L.A. in '94 to be an actor. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so what happened right. with the acting? So I'm, act, I'm, I'm on the acting circuit and auditioning and all that, getting small parts here and there, commercials here and there, until my son, who, who I conceived just before I left, um, he's out there at three years of age and he throws up on my leg. And I'm telling the woman who's, on, who's at the same audition to hold my child while I go to audition. So then I come back out and I said, I got to rethink things. So somebody asked me, do you want to be a probation officer? Because I was substitute teaching at the juvenile halls. And he said, and he said, you should be a probation officer now because you can work the weekends and still audition during the week. So my, my work week was Friday afternoon to Sunday. So I had Monday through Friday afternoon off. I said, that's great. I'll take the job. And, and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, I mean, did you feel that there were insights uh, about human behavior that you saw that actually drove you to further your career as a probation officer? Um, I knew I wasn't like, I don't want to compare myself to others, but I knew I had compassion for other people, especially Mm -hmm. when I was substitute teaching. I saw the same kids. I was just a teacher, and they were gang members in the classroom, and I just kind of looked at each one of them and saw how much pain they were and how angry they were. Mm-hmm. And so, but I didn't do anything about it. I didn't know. I didn't really find out until I, I started looking at myself. Okay. And I had a mentor do that. I said, why do I, you know, and, and what happened was I was dating a particular woman who was not very nice. We'll call her a bully for lack of a better word. I said, why do, so I met this man in an acting uh, class and he, he had this program he used. I said, oh, I'm going to ask him some questions. And he became my mentor for 15 years. And we uncovered a lot of the stuff of why I do what I do. Why I keep picking the same kind of people. I said, okay, there it is. So then I started using what he taught me on Uh my clients as a probation officer with their drug and alcohol dependency. Mm -hmm. And from there, I I kept notes for seven years and asked all these questions, and that's when I wrote the book, When Nobody's Home. Because 95% of my clients had nobody home during their formative years, therefore, especially the men, and they had no one to guide them to become men. And so they went off and did their destructive behavior just to get rid of because they were in so much pain and hurt and things that come from not having your main person be there for you. Well, you know, Michael, I have a question I want to backtrack a bit. Um, When was the moment uh, that you knew that you were destined for something greater? Was it from your experiences with your mentor and learning more about who you were? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that was the moment, you know, um, when I found out how, about myself and why I was drawn to certain people, how I reacted to certain situations, and then you, then you put the pieces together with that in childhood. I remember, when, because I don't speak as a child, I have a hard time speaking as an adult or speaking out or speaking up for myself. But becoming aware of that, even though it's still difficult, you can do something about it now that you are aware of it. It may be difficult, but you still 
it gives you a better opportunity to, you know, make that action happen. Did he give you, uh, or were you able to come up with a list of action uh, plans or that you then put into action to overcome some of these challenges? Because one of the things, you know, we talk about recovery, we talk about finding ourselves, because the answers are always within us. But we can mm-hmm. find the answers, but then we have to put something in action. And so that's what I want our listeners to, to realize, that you didn't just become. There were things that you had to do when you found out you were attracting the wrong kind of people in your life. You were having the wrong responses or you weren't able to speak up. So what are some of the things that you put into action that helped you to overcome? Well, well, number one, you have to acknowledge it. You have to become aware of why you do what you do. Okay? Uh-huh. Okay. And once you understand, and then you, have to, you need to understand where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what, what um, survival mechanism did you create to survive in your world at that time that you may not need anymore? Okay? Right. And that's the first thing. So mm-hmm. when it shows up, you've got to re- acknowledge that, hey, here's that old behavior that I used to do, and now I'm going to change it because I understand it now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's part of my action plan. And then once you have that, once you have awareness around it, you have some understanding where it comes from, and then you have some acceptance around that. Right? And that means don't beat, your up, don't beat yourself up for the old behavior. Just know where it came from and, ch- and change it. Because you might mm-hmm. do it again, but at least you know that you did it and you failed, but you might succeed as well and go, you know something, this one worked out. So four steps forward, two steps back, five steps forward, one step back. Then after a while, you're going to get used to mm-hmm. the new behaviors, like putting on a new coat or a new suit. That's great. And then you, That's great. Yeah, then you have what is known as called the value shift. Now you've now, now you, Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and now your uh, behavior well, has shifted. But it takes time because you've well, been doing you know, it for so really, long really am impressed with the fact that you were able to learn things about yourself, apply some of those uh, techniques to yourself, and then later apply them to your adult clients. So we're going to take a quick break, Michael, and we're going to be right back with our listeners because we've got a lot more to share about the quest of Michael Oden. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with you. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within. But many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my discussion today in the studio with Michael Oden. Michael is a behavioral specialist with over 20 years as a probational officer who holds a bachelor's degree in sociology, and this man is also a certified trainer for law enforcement in the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument. So he's going to talk a lot in this section about how he discovered in taking notes from clients for seven years and 6,500 interviews conducted that he sat on that information for five years. Michael, I want to know why you sat on that information for five years. You took, you took stories of your clients for seven years, which I think is great. 6,500 interviews is no joke. And then when the project ended, you sat on the information for the next five years. So what happened? Well, what happened was is that I had all this information, and people kept telling mm-hmm. me, write a book, write a book. Well, if you've never written a book, you don't know where to begin, and, you, and it's kind of intimidating. So I was intimidated and said, I don't know how to write a book, or I don't know how to publish a book, or who do I ask? So I sat, so sat in my computer for like three or four years, and then something always pushes, there, there's always an event that pushes me in a direction. There's, there's an event that pushed me to, to take all those stories and to, to write uh, the interview with 6,500 clients, and then there was another event that allowed me to publish the book. And what came up, what showed up at that time was cancer. And when I found out I had wow. cancer, I said, oh, yeah. I thought, oh, goodness. And I said, well, oh, life wow. is short, you know. And I never thought it would ever happen to me, of course. You, know, you, know, you never think that till it happens. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got to get this book done. So okay. I called up, a, a, Alina found an editor in Seattle, and we, we worked back and forth for nine months because I was off of work for ten months. So during the time I was off, I used that time to go over the re- review the book, edit it, and make it nice, and then we published it after that. So it was nine months of birth, nine months of birth, you know, or no, nine months mm-hmm. of the gestation to give birth. <laughs> there we go. Wow. So, you know, how did you, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to, you know, because when people get cancer and they get that diagnosis, and you had lymphoma, B cell yeah. stage four. That is nothing to play with, let me tell you, young man. So how did you get through that? What was it that kept you going? Well, what kept me, it was one of those things where you just go, they said it was, they said it was pretty much manageable. You know, it's very close. I was like, I was like in the fourth quarter, two minute warning. And they uh-huh. said, we have the things mm. that we believe will work. I said, so I'll trust the medical mm-hmm. process. But also there was a lot of prayer involved, and there's a lot of uh, support um, from Alina, you know, my business partner that you've spoken with, uh-huh. and that, you know, she's the one that was the driving force by getting everything done, and she was there every step of the way, taking me to doctors every week, getting my uh, chemo treatment, getting those needle injections and taking these pills and things of that nature. And... I guess because it wasn't painful, but I knew I was really sick. I saw the 
the x-rays, uh, mm-hmm. that probably helped too, because I wasn't in any sort of pain, but I, but I did lose a lot. I lost 20 to 35 pounds. I was really sickly looking, wow. you know, and that was yeah. quite scary because, like, my God, look at me. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where you just keep going and you keep moving and, and you just you keep busy, which, which was maybe that was a blessing while I was sick. You know, I had this project I needed to finish mm-hmm. you know, that could help other people. You know, and that, that probably, you know, is the motivation that kept you going is you wanted to live and you had something to live for. And, of course, our yeah. creator had a purpose and a plan for you anyway. To finish that yeah. book, When Nobody's Home. What did you, uh, you know, I know that title, When Nobody's Home. How did that come to you? Was, what was that based on, uh, Nobody's Home? <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny when I was thinking about the book. I said, and I was talking to my clients over the years. There was always one common denominator, or 95% of my clients had this one issue, and there was nobody home for the client, which usually the father, Mm -hmm. who was usually gone, disappeared, or working 14-hour days, or in the house Mm -hmm. and ignoring you, or the individual. What was the age of your clients? Were the ages range Um, with your clients? Were they they young? Oh, no, I I had the adults, so 18 to 70. Wow. Yeah, 18 to 70. I had a guy who was 70 years old, and he still had issues with drugs, and he used to run for the U.S. track team in 1968 Olympics. Very fascinating guy. And we went all the way back to his childhood to uncover his uh, pain. Nobody was home. Yep. Nobody was home. <laughs> Nobody was home. Wow. <laughs> you know, uh, I was intrigued by this book when I saw it. and had to have you on the show to really talk about this book, When Nobody's Home. Because I think it's a uh, case scenario that many of our young people are facing today. And, you know, metaphorically, it could be when nobody's home, they're not paying attention to you. It doesn't mean physically, but it's emotionally. Right. It could be spiritually. Uh, so it's not just an absence uh, from the home or the person's not present. So I'm sure you address that as well. So uh, what, did you want, what do you want people to, to get out of this book, Michael? Yeah, that's, that's another, it's a great question because my, my goal was to, to, to enlighten people and mm-hmm. to enlighten them that what, what they're experiencing now can probably be, and that's, and that's life-diminishing, can probably be attributed to what happened years ago. And sometimes, well, there, there's going to be a time if you choose to, and you've got to be brave to maybe look back and see where that stems from. Mm-hmm. And usually it's because everything comes from home. That's where, we, that's where we start. And our first teachers are our parents. And one of the biggest, mm-hmm. one of the biggest I guess, uh, confrontations I have with clients is this. They don't want to look that their parents may have fell short of their uh, responsibilities of being a parent. That's probably one of the most difficult mm-hmm. things for a child to look at, or for, for an adult to look at. And if they can get past that gate, then they have a great opportunity to heal and give their parents a break and have empathy for them, understanding where they came mm-hmm. from. And once they and do that, that to me, that was 50% of the emotional burden that, that was lifted from a person. And once I got them to understand mm-hmm. that. They're not bad people or parents. They're parents who are doing the best they can with the wounds that they carry. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. For they know not what they do. Absolutely. But you know, Michael, it's, it's difficult for, for many adults um, to look back. Uh, not only just at the parents, but just to look back at the past, uh, because it's, yes. it's dark and it's, 
it's, it's difficult. Um, you were very fortunate in, the, in that you found and learned some things about yourself and applied it, uh, and right. more or less you applied some of what you learned to your clients. Mm-hmm. How can you, you... You talk about in your book a needs-based method. So tell mm-hmm. me, what is the needs-based method, and then moreover, how can it help an individual? Well, here it is. If, if you look at life... Everything uh-huh. we do is based on a need. If you look at mm-hmm. if you look at how we live life, everything we do is based on getting a need met. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a need, if I was being a real a, quite a clear definition, is a desired social outcome that an individual tries to acquire through social interaction with other people or a given situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, we're trying to get something out of a situation. That's a need. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we. So everything we do in life is we're trying to get a need met. You know, my need to be on the radio station is to get is to uh, contribute to society. Your need to mm-hmm. get me on the radio station is to get information. A little a couple of needs right there. The needs the needs children want from their parents are connection, bonding, you know, security, that sort of thing. So those are examples of needs as well. And what I notice mm-hmm. is that when most of the needs were not being met as children. They would have to create a, a survival mechanism to get their needs met somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or if they didn't get them met, they would do something tragic to fulfill that void. Drugs, alcohol, partying, excessive misbehavior, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. then what I did is I created what is known as a needs-based method. It's a modality. And all it is is it's just a process that's used to uncover the truth behind a specific behavior. If you're behaving a certain way, I'm, we're going to find out why you do that and what needs are being met or not met in that moment, and that's it. And there's a reason you're doing that. There's a need being met. So since we're on, since, so we talked to my clients around alcohol and drugs for a long period of time, my first question is, when did you start using drugs? And they'd say, 10. What was going on at 10? Oh, my parents got a divorce. Thank you, there's one. And what else happened? Uh, I saw my mommy hit, I saw daddy hit mommy, there's two. Uh, I heard a lot of screaming, three. So there are these things that keep piling up. So what does a child who's three, four, and five years old do in those situations? They store that, they store that experience until they get older, and then they somehow try to vent that pain and frustration in various, beha- in various life-diminishing behavior moments. Very interesting because you know how many people are walking around in pain. Walking, uh, doctor. Here it is. Ninety-six percent of American families experience some form of dysfunction. Well, I t- I, I used to tell some of the people <laughs> that I work with, don't feel bad because eighty. Oh, exactly. I have eighty-seven percent of the the individuals in America. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, or from this it doesn't matter where you grow up. It doesn't. It, 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 I've had rich clients, poor clients. It doesn't matter. It you does know? not matter. But I think that, right, that it, what matters is how you can get well, how you can yes. break out of the bonds. Uh, I think because it steals your life. It steals right. your life. I don't know. That just came to me. It actually steals your life when you're not yes. able to change that behavior. So your need-based method is you actually want people to look at that behavior that is causing the pain and yes. acknowledging it. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. And understand where it comes from. 
There's a reason you're using the behavior or, or, or displaying the behavior. Okay? Does that make sense? You're displaying yeah. it because you're getting something out of it. Okay? Here, here's an exa- I'll give you a quick mm-hmm. example that I had yesterday. The client's mother, uh-huh. he's 55 years old, mother's 80. She keeps calling him 20 times a day. So I told him, listen, think about what she saw you go through as a child. What did she see? She saw my client get abused by the father. She turned her head and allowed him to do it. Didn't stand up for her own child. So now, fast forward to 30, 40 years later, now she calls him, tells him how much she loves him every single day, 20 times a day. And I go, that's because there may be some guilt involved because of what she saw and allowed to happen to you. And when I said that to him, he almost fell off the chair. He said, oh, my God, that's why my mother keeps calling me 20 to tell me she loves me. Because when you're certain about something, mm-hmm. you don't have to prove anything. And she's trying to prove that well, and make up for. Well, so that's a small example. That, that, that is a very good example. Um, one of the things that you, you shared is that there's, there's more to someone's behavior than just labeling them a criminal or oh. labeling them an addict. Um, right. And I don't think that as society, many of us, we look at that, we look beyond that. Uh, we, we look at only the actions. We don't look exactly what's happening and why are they using, uh, what do you think? Well, I'm going to ask this question because this is, this is, I want to get information out of you. What causes the person <laughs> to choose drugs <laughs> and alcohol as a coping mechanism for survival? Now, I know that's a tough question, too, but what do you think are some of the causes that people choose drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism for su- survival? Oh, here it is right here. And, and, I, and, I've done, and I'm up to 12,000 clients now. It's childhood trauma. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what is it? Yeah, it's childhood trauma, physical abuse, so you, emotional, you all sexual childhood trauma. Would you yes, say childhood every last one. trauma unresolved? Unresolved. There you go. Perfect. Unresolved That's childhood trauma. Trust me, doctor. Childhood trauma. Yes. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I hope done. that some of the listeners are, are listening out there. I mean, pardon the pun, but some of you are really taking some information because this is something that is not just in any particular race or culture. This is something that happens all over the world. It's a global challenge because people global. find ways of medicating or coping mechanisms. It could be food. It could be sex. It could be other means for instant gratification. So uh, I'm, I'm thankful, Michael, that you're on the show to talk about this, how people can be transformed, how their lives can be changed. But it's going to cause mm-hmm. work. It's going to be work. So mm-hmm. what do you want the listeners today to learn as a result of what you're pointing out in your book? And I'm hoping yeah, we're going to share later for people to know how to get this book when no one or nobody's home. I love that yeah. title. When nobody's home. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well the, the you know what, Michael, I'm sorry to say this, but I had another thought. It's like meeting yeah. an individual and they're just staring at you and you're like, uh, hello, hello. And you, I apply that. Nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hello, hello. 
Come back. Hello, hello. You're just saying to this individual, hello, hello, and they're not responding, and you just say, okay, nobody's home. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so what has uh, been, in your opinion, some of the greatest sacrifices that you've had to make in order to get this word out? Oh, sacrifices. Um, boy, I... I, that's, yeah. a, that's a heck of a question. What sacrifices have I made? You know, the whole thing has been a, a complete joy to me. You know, mm-hmm. when, I go to, when I go to work, it's not work. It's, it's, it's a playground that I can help other people. I talked three kids ago to college yesterday because no one ever just shared information that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The sacrifices that I'd like to make is that I need to travel a lot to get the word out to different institutions, maybe to jails, maybe to the colleges, maybe to um, treatment centers that will listen to mm-hmm. have a new way of looking at this drug problem. Because the drug is not the problem, it's the events that happened before the drug use. That's the problem. Okay. okay. So the reason why I said uh, ask that question of sacrifice is because for every gift uh, that has been given to us to share with the world, there are sacrifices. And, Michael, you have made sacrifices, sacrifices such as your health, Sacrifices that yeah. are trying to make it work in spite of obstacles, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, setbacks, and certainly having cancer is a big setback. And so that's why I ask you, <laughs> that's what I meant about sacrifices, because you love what you do, but truly there are sacrifices that we make for the greater yes. good. And I just want right. to thank you for that. Um, and what are some of the greatest accomplishments that, you know, because you've met all these people, you've been able to mm-hmm. work with individuals, what mm-hmm. have been some of your success stories in turning lives around? Uh, success stories, you know, because we, we were short on time, is this, I, I, I love it when they come back to me and say, that thing you told me that I don't hang on to anymore has allowed me to go to school, hug my kid, have a better relationship with my girlfriend or wife, um, Makes me makes me more stable at the job because I'm not carrying this weight around anymore. And what's interesting is this: is once we un- unload the emotional burden they've been carrying for a long time, guess what we do, doctor? We create a new problem, and for the first time in their life, they're happy, and they have to get used to that. <laughs> Happiness has to be get new. That should be a slogan. Happiness has to be gotten new. <laughs> exactly. What is it? I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm happy. There's no drama. What do I do? I've never had this life. And that's a problem I create. I found that, I found that during an interview once. I said, oh, my God, I create another problem. Joy. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about this behavioral specialist who has helped change so many lives today from childhood traumas into successful adulthood. Okay, we'll be right back with you, so stay tuned. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my guest today in the studio with me, Mr. Michael Oden. One of the things that I didn't share about Michael earlier, and uh, for those of you who are tuning in to the show, he's the founder of Final Step, which is an emotional awareness program that focuses on healing and shifting childhood and adult trauma into successful adulthood. So he's detailed all of his knowledge in this award-winning book, When Nobody's Home. And so I'm really excited about uh, us being able to talk about it, Michael. Uh, And it's such, um, to me, a book to inspire, not only to inspire, but to educate those who are impacted by unwanted behavior. And it offers them a way to rise above it consciously and live emotional free. And boy, do we need folks that are leaving emotional free. (laughs) So Michael, one of the things um, I wanted to share, you had talked about, and and this is something that just happened uh, yesterday, and a lot of people are talking about it, uh, and that's uh, Demi Lovato, who um, was on, you know, drugs for a number of years, and recovered, and then had a relapse. So what do you attribute, or what do you think about this from your professional, in your professional opinion? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. When I talk to my clients, and the word clean always comes up, well, I'm clean, all right? And, and what I've learned over the years is clean means you stop using drugs, but you haven't handled, you have not healed from the childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, happened, what it is mm-hmm. is that you're distracted doing things. You may go to meetings, you may do this, you, you, just, you keep moving, busy, 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 but that thing is still waiting in the background, waiting for you to slow down and, and pause and go, well, here I am, what are you going to do about me? Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, where I come in is once I handle your childhood issue and once you're freed up from the emotional burden you've been carrying, now you're free and at peace. Then you can look back at mm-hmm. the trauma and go, yeah, that happened, that happened, now it doesn't define me anymore. So my behavior is not dictated on my past anymore. It's dictated on how I see myself now, healing from the past and moving forward. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I hear people relapse, and that's for everyone from Demi Lovato to anybody, is that to me, she has not handled her past yet. Mm-hmm. She's been probably busy touring and everything else, but no one has asked the one question, why just start and what's going on at home? And what are you holding on? Oh, when did it start? When did it start? Wow. Yeah. Exactly. And when did it start? Exactly. When did it start? When, when you, that's my first question when I ask clients. I go, when did you start using? And what's going on at home? And we mentioned that before. And they, just, and they talk about, you know, the, all the trauma and drama in the home as they're growing up. So to me, she just hasn't handled that part. If she were to get that information, she'd probably increase her chances, probably 75%, being at peace of her that's past. Interesting. That's all it is. Tell, 
tell me, it, and that's that's a good uh, that's a good way of of saying it uh, and expressing it when they don't deal with your past and it just you keep having a relapse. But you know, I have another question, and this may sound kind of you know frivolous in a sense, but. Michael, in your, your experience, have there been people who just tried drugs or alcohol just because they were curious? Yeah. Well, that's the answer. No, it had nothing curious. to do with childhood trauma. It had nothing. I mean, right. they just said, oh, somebody said, you know, you ought to try this or, uh, oh, have you ever had a martini or whatever? Yeah. And, uh, and they just tried it because, oh, it, I, I've never tried one. Let me try one. And maybe there's addiction in the family because there are people that, there's alcoholism in the family, and maybe they pick that drink, and it's good, and they start drinking, and it has nothing to do with childhood trauma. I mean, I'm just asking that question. <laughs> now, that's a great question. Trust me, people throw still those kinds of questions at me, trying to, trying to poke holes, which is great, because all I'm trying to do is find the truth behind the behavior. When a person uh-huh. doesn't want to try that, when they try weed or this or that, and they, and they use it occasionally, uh, and, they, and no one's being, uh, shall we say, uh, affected by it negatively, that's one thing. But if you try it and you keep doing it, then that tells me, watch this, it tells me something's going on. Okay. I have a look at that. Okay? Because I've had those stories yeah. before as well. Okay? So, okay. I mean, I've, I, I drink alcohol socially, but it doesn't define me. I say, okay, I like it because it tastes great. I like the flavors and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I put it away and I enjoy my drink with my dinner and I call it a day. I've had clients in the past do this to me. Now, this is, this is going to throw people off a little bit. Mr. Oden would go, yes, I'm drinking wine. Is that okay? And this is the off probation at that time. Have we, have, have, mm-hmm. have, have we handled your childhood issues with your father and your mother? Yes. Can we uncover everything we need to uncover? Yes. Are you drinking to, loot, are you drinking to escape reality, or are you drinking to enjoy the drink with, and socialize with friends? Mm-hmm. I'm just drinking mm-hmm. to have fun with my friends. If that's what you're drinking for, and that's why you're drinking, then enjoy it for what it is. It's a drink. You're not doing it to mm-hmm. escape. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different animal. And a whole different two, three, right. four, five, six, and well, I'm glad you put clarifying that. Mm-hmm. So if, you, you know, if you're going to drink four, five, or six uh, drinks you know, in I'm an hour, wondered, then we get, then we got to look back and see what we missed. Okay. Well, that's kind of good. I mean, so have you had anybody, uh, any of your clients that say, "Well, I just uh, was curious about it," but actually? Upon further uh, investigation, you found out that there was something that happened uh, in childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I and I'm I don't know if I'm ecstatic about this, but I'm, I'm really staunch about every client. Trust me, I, every client I talk to, I pick them apart. There's no stone unturned because I really want them to understand why they've been doing it, so they can't come back and go, okay. "Well, you missed that." No, we got everything. Because here, here's an example. I remember I had a guy. Who, he was drinking beer and fighting police. When he drank, he got very aggressive. So we uncovered his stuff. His father wasn't home, all this sort of thing. And he stopped drinking mm-hmm. beer. Mm-hmm. Right? And okay. then he said, oh, I, I can have a beer. Then after about nine months, he started drinking more and more beer. I said, hold on, dude. You're drinking more beer. This is answering your question previously. And what happened was, I said, you're drinking again. What's going on? You didn't tell me something. And then he forgot to tell me that he was, he was, he was molested by his neighbor, he, as, and he's never told anybody. I said, thank you. That's a hard, that's a hard one to share. <laughs> that is. And, that's a hard, and, that, and he's holding on to that. Mm-hmm. So once mm-hmm. we got that one down and got him to let go of that, then the beer consumption dropped again. But, but he was holding on to something. 
Well, you know, it, it, it's kind of, uh, in a way, um, it could be a negative on one hand where you're saying, how do I um, raise a child in today's society? Uh, we have parents <laughs> that are younger. Uh, I meant we've got, yesterday I had somebody, we talked about what do you see one of the greatest challenges today uh, for young people and parents, and they said social media. So when you talk about all of these things that happen in childhood trauma, how do we stop it? How do we begin to help parents and help people in the home uh, become better parents and do better jobs of parenting so that it will be somebody home? Yeah. Matter of fact, I went out to England to talk about that, child and children and technology. Mm-hmm. Right? And the bottom line, mm-hmm. if you want to keep it really simple, is this. Spend time with your children. Time. Okay. They want to know that you or your. They want to know that they, that they can be heard. They want to know that they matter. They want to know that you care. And if you can communicate with them on a level where you know, if this, if this, if you do this on, on social media, this could happen. If you do that, that could happen. But if, but just being present is huge. I can't. I can't. I can't really call that. Um, emphasize more than anything. Just time. Mm-hmm. Time, time, time. Well, it's really time. Time is important, and you know some of the old ways. I hope come back, uh, comes back. One of the things uh, I remember from my childhood: whenever mom and dad had an argument, they took it to the other room. We never saw them arguing. We never saw, uh, you know, hitting going on. And I remember, uh, you know, maybe that's old-fashioned. Some people would say that, but, but they would take their. There were six of us. I'm the eldest of six. And they would take their discussions. We might hear a little heated words coming out of the bedroom, but it was never where you witnessed the yelling or you witnessed, you know, um, arguments between mom and dad. And when you talked about some of the instances where your clients have talked about mom uh, being hit, uh, and, I, and I do know certain instances where people have shared with me some of their experiences where dad uh, hit mom, and it instilled fear in them. And, you yes. know, of course, their adult life was filled with, from that experience of watching dad hit mom. So you're absolutely right that it can, a lot of things can cause the childhood trauma, which then leads to other things that people do in adulthood. Because you're helpless. Yeah, you're helpless as a child. And I think your parents should start teaching these classes. That's a beautiful example your parents did. Beautiful, perfect. You know? Well, I'm sure, you know, I don't know if they knew what they were doing, but it's just that it was you didn't argue in front of your children or, you know, you just didn't do it. <laughs> and so yeah. I don't know if people yeah. do that now. And I'm working on a couple of couples doing that, too. <laughs> don't argue in front of the children. Take it out. Because they're going to develop what happens. Yep. Is now, that now, there's, now they're getting wired to prepare for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, too, there was a, a great right. respect for dads. There was a great respect for the father in the home. I mean, you know, and it, it's, those mm-hmm. are good experiences. And I hope that some of the listeners are, you know, taking heed to spending time with your children and commit and communicate with your children and communicate that you care. And I think that's so mm-hmm. important. And I just, oh, Michael, just want to thank you so much for being our guest today. But I want you to share with the listeners where they can get your book. That is so important. When nobody's yeah. home, where can they order your book, Michael? Well, you, you can order it on Amazon.com. 
Amazon.com. You can get that book. And the workbook. And get the workbook. I I, I finished the workbook about two months ago. That goes even deeper than the book. Okay. And ask great questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think as the founder of Final Step, uh, how to shift that childhood and adult trauma into successful individuals. I think you guys are going to need to get that book. So I want to encourage you to get his book and the workbook that goes with it. And I would love for those of you out there, if you'd like to write me about it, uh, if you have questions, write info at transformationforsuccess.com. That, that will get to me, Dr. Barbara Young. I'll be able to get that information to Michael. But I'd love to have your questions, love to have your comments. So I know many of you who may be downloading the show, you're not listening live, but you can email me at info at transformationforsuccess.com. I look forward to hearing from you. So, Michael, again, as we close the show today, I want to thank you for being my guest, and I'm certain I am certain that the listeners have benefited from your transformational journey and, more important, hearing about the lessons, the life lessons you learned and life lessons that you're imparting to other individuals. So, listeners, if some of your friends missed the show today, remember they can download it later on Transformation for Success Empowerment or Women's Channels on voiceamerica.com or iTunes.voiceamerica. So I want to remind you of this. When one door of, of, one door of happiness closes, another one opens. But often we took so long at the closed door that we didn't see the one that has been open for us. So today we've definitely had an open door to illuminate our minds and our hearts to change from childhood trauma to an adult living a successful life. So, Michael, again, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. We just want to thank you, and I want to wish you all of God's best. And knowing, too, that your cancer is in remission, and that is a blessing. So, I want to thank you again. And have a very, very blessed day. And don't forget, write me out there, listeners, info at transformationforsuccess.com. Thank you, and have a very blessed week. This is Dr. Barbara Young, signing off until next week, where I'll have another special guest for you with another amazing story and strategies for your success. Stay well. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.